Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. What's up, everybody? That is our guest's uh, intro music tonight. I have dubbed Rebecca the James Bond girl of the Gecko community, and she certainly is. Not only is she highly intelligent, but she is just as pretty to go with it. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm uh, really looking forward to tonight's show, guys, and we're going to cover a lot of great topics. Uh, it's really cool to be able to talk to people that share our enthusiasm and passion for geckos from other parts of the world, and not just America. Uh, of course, we love the American breeders, uh, but it, it's, it's always nice to, you know, just get a different vibe and just hear it from a, a different perspective. And Rebecca is definitely got her own way of doing things and has some extraordinary projects that are unique to her collection, and she's very highly respected in the leopard gecko community especially. So some of the cop- uh, topics we're going to cover tonight are we're going to cover morph standards and uh, talk a little bit about um, what it takes to keep certain lines a certain way. And basically, kind of like dog breed, horse uh, lineages, you know, there's, there's standards in, in these um, that these breeders adhere to, very strict standards in a lot of cases. And... In, in the world of herpetoculture, sometimes, you know, there's like a bit of a gray area with standards. And we're actually still in our infancy as far as regulating that kind of stuff. So I really hope in the future we can create set standards. So there isn't a lot of confusion out there as to what a morph should look like. And if, if a morph is, is starting to stray from that certain look, people will know you know, basically how to judge a morph on quality and, and know what it should look like. Um, you know, in, when, when you have a lot of people coming into the hobby, um, as far as marketing goes, a lot of these morph names like Electric and, um, oh, I can't think of so There's so many. Blood, for instance, the blood, the blood tangerines and stuff. Uh, these names are, are marketing names, but they also names to describe a certain look. So a lot of people are confused because there's people out there that will use these these trade names and these uh, morph names to market just about anything in order to sell it because these names are popular at a certain time. And, you know, it's, yeah, I know, Elsa, it is confusing. 
Um, but that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to uh, help you guys understand. And I think in the years to come, if all goes well with culture in general, I think we're going to see a lot of good changes that will give us these types of standards that we're, that we're in need of. Uh, for the first hour tonight, I have a great uh, co-host coming on. You guys know him and love him, Tim from Slice of the Jungle. Uh, Tim, you're live on Gecko Nation Radio. How's it going, everybody out there? Um, we had a good White Plains show today. I hope uh, some of the listeners enjoyed it. I know um, I passed out several uh, Gecko Nation radio cards, and uh, hopefully we'll get some new listeners. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, guys, I didn't make it today. I've been a little under the weather uh, lately, but um, I've been you know, hoping to get back in shape so I can start uh, getting back to the shows. I've been very busy and just not feeling good. How, how did the show... Uh, go overall, and what what did you see there today? Um, actually, I had I was trying to sell a few of my own uh, babies and a, a few of my own geckos, so I didn't get as much time to walk around and look around as I usually do. But um, uh, seemed like a, a pretty good show. Probably wasn't um, the best show that some people have had, but um, I didn't hear too many uh, complaints at the same time. Um, so it was it was good. You know, it was, I sold a, a few geckos and um, to some uh, some newbies, and uh, hopefully they'll uh, check into the show and listen to what we have to say. Awesome. And um, just so for the record, folks, today is uh, September 7, 2014. forgot to mention that in the beginning. Um, all right, cool. Hey, um, did you see, I mean, I guess you said you didn't walk around too much, but um, what was the crowd like? Was there a good turnout? Yes, it definitely was a good turnout, especially with the nice weather. I was thinking uh, it might be kind of empty in there, but of course it it filled up, and um, it seemed like a like a pretty good show. Awesome. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, uh, before we get started, folks, I just want to, of course, mention uh, two things. There's a, a contest going on on the Gecko Nation Radio Facebook page. And uh, I'm actually going to extend it one more day because uh, I, don't, I think people were busy this weekend. They didn't uh, catch it, and I want to make sure everybody gets a chance to participate. Uh, and I'm going to be running a new contest every week for the next few weeks on the Gecko Nation radio page. Um, a few of our sponsors, actually I think all of our sponsors, are donating uh, prizes, and we're going to, uh, the winners of these contests are going to be getting a prize. So this contest going on right now is from Daryl Burton from Longhorn Geckos, and uh, you have a chance to win free shipping on one of his amazing geckos, and it's good forever, so if you don't see something now that you, you like, you can use it whenever. Uh, so check out that contest, and uh, also put a contest on my page, too, if you guys want to check it out, David Frank Geckos. But um, in the meantime, I want to thank all of our fans and all of our followers, and of course, our amazing sponsors. Check this out, folks. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. 
visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. Longhorn Geckos is a father and son collaboration. Daryl and Kate Burton specialize in the best supertangelos, pastel raptors, white and yellows, and really nice wild types. Follow them on Facebook at Longhorn Geckos and on their new website coming soon. Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at Expos in the Northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. That's right, folks. And also keep in mind that our sponsors um, have uh, usually give out discounts. Okay, so make, mention Gecko Nation Radio, especially with AB Dragons. Uh, use the uh, code Gecko at checkout, and you're going to receive 5% off your order right off the bat. And, of course, check out... Um, Keep Kickins over at GiantLeopardGecko.com. Use the code GNR2014, and you're going to get 20% off until September 30th on any of his awesome geckos. And if you want to check him out and find out who he is, he was on last week's episode. Um, so definitely. Uh, Tim, I have a very, very serious and important question to ask you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Now, there's a lot of new people out there coming into the world of geckos and herpetoculture. Where, what is the first place that they should check out if they're just getting involved? They should go to geckoforums.net. You got it right. Congratulations. You're going to win a prize. And here's the prize. <laughs> check it out. <laughs> Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. Herpentime Radio is my inspiration for GNR. Justin and JD do a terrific show every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern and have an amazing archive of shows available for download. Visit them at blogtalkradio.com slash herpentime 
and on Facebook. That's right. All right, Tim, what do you say we jump into the news? Let's hear it from Steve. You think he's got uh, some good news for us today? I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear him have all good news for us. <laughs> I know. I know. Let's see. Good evening, Gekonians. Good evening, Steve. How's it going? Going good. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, how can you have a White Plains Expo? Without David's fine geckos, come on! I don't know. I'm, su- I'm surprised it was. I'm surprised they even opened the doors today. I know. I know. <laughs> it just isn't uh, right. It just doesn't sound right. I know. Uh, uh, these were the first, <laughs> these last couple of shows I missed too. I, you know, this one and the last one. That's like, and I never missed a show in my life. So yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm still I'm still alive though. That's all that matters. That's a good thing. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) five geckos that were launched into space are not still alive. If you remember, what was it, a month and a half ago, they launched a satellite into space that contained five geckos that they wanted to see how zero gravity affected their breeding. So yes. here's the, art, the articles. Five gecko lizards sent into orbit on a Russian space satellite as part of a sex experiment. Uh, they always have to say it that way. <laughs> have all died. <laughs> the Photon M4 satellite returned to Earth on Monday. Experts say the gecko, geckos may have been frozen to death after the heating system broke down. They were sent into space as part of a study into the effect of weightlessness on their sex lives and development. Um, that's that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Of course, they, of course, they wouldn't survive cold temperatures. Right. Yeah. The 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 heating, however, they were heating it, broke down. Their, their heating system broke down. But uh, let's see where I wonder, they, uh, I wonder if. I wonder if that's why uh, they lost communication with the satellite for a while as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously the satellite was faulty all the way around. I mean, because they they lost control of the engines, they lost lost communications, and then the heating unit. So, so I think they need to go back to their engineers a little bit and figure out what's going on. Well, um, that's sad though. Yeah, it is. Um, They died at least a week before the landing because their bodies were partly mummified. But Hmm. on the the same satellite, fruit flies that were also traveling on the satellite survived and reproduced. Um, The satellite initially was launched on July 19th and was meant to carry out experiments over a two-month period. However, it returned after just 44 days. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, I guess the only good news is they're not going to mutate and come back and take (laughs) over the world. I I was almost looking forward to that. But 
<laughs> being ruled by a, a race of uh, geckos from space. Yeah, it works for me. We might be in better shape. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe they would do things differently. <laughs> yeah. All right. Heading to our next story. Customers got a whopper of a surprise when they spotted a six-foot-long snake at an Illinois Burger King. What they found was a six-foot-long boa constrictor hanging around outside by the drive-thru. <laughs> Customers were in awe of the massive snake stopping and taking pictures of it. <laughs> Police and animal control workers arrived and captured the snake. They're still looking for the owner. <laughs> good good, uh, good drive-thru service. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, my God. And our last story of the night, which I think a lot of people already heard about, search for a rare white slithering snake in California, a potentially venomous and lethal reptile. All right, animal control officers said authorities believe a cobra was likely smuggled into the country and either escaped or let loose. Um, fortunately, an update already that they found the cobra. It was a monocle cobra that that was roaming California neighborhood for days, and they thought a it had bitten a dog, but the dog apparently was injured trying to get away. The dog was never bit. Um, let's see. If, Veterinarian later said it appears the dog was simply injured while trying to get away from the snake. Cobras are illegal in California without a permit and, and can only be used for scientific or educational purposes. Authorities are searching for the owner. Interesting. That's, that's, I thought, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that yeah. on Facebook. And that, could have been a big, that could have been a big problem. Um, oh, yeah. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if, uh, you know, if we if we should expect some types of false flag type incidents that could, you know that are basically setups to, you know, further um, shine a negative light on herpetoculture and you know something like this. You know, people that are in animal rights groups or you know fringe um, extremist types that would go to some type of length as to let something like this loose on purpose. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping I'm not thinking too paranoid or conspiracy-like, but this kind of stuff happens all the time with, with yeah. these types of, you know, espionage situations. And I don't know. It's, it's concerning. What do you guys think? Who's who's uh, got somebody at their door? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that you, Steve? <laughs> no, no, it's me. me. It's it's me. I'm actually having a conversation with the uh, the support the Block Talk Radio support person here because you know there was an issue with the the link right before the show, and I had to make a new show within like two minutes. It was I, you know I was under the gun to do that, and uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, <laughs> it sounds exactly like a doorbell. Yeah, I'm like, I'm a little distracted because he's typing to me and I'm typing back, and every time I get a message from him, it 
rings the doorbell. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about that kind of scenario happening? Though? Uh, who's to say it hasn't already happened? Right. You know, you don't know who you know who's setting it up so that it looks like. You know, even with with the berms in Florida, you don't know if someone. You know, some of them I've seen I've seen videos where people just walk up on them, and it, to me, it's almost impossible to just walk up on a berm, and they almost walk right to it. You know, it's I don't know. It's just too convenient, and you know some yeah. stuff I've seen. So I, I, chances are it's probably happened already. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a possibility. It's unfortunate, um, you know, uh, that the way the, all these things come out, you know, it's it's in a lot of cases, you know, any press is good press, but unfortunately for things like this, any press is bad press for us. Right. Yeah. I guess we're going to see how it plays out. All right. Well, what do you say uh, I get Marty McFly over here and fire up the (laughs) flux capacitor and uh, take a trip in time? Hang hang tight, folks. All right. March thirty or March thirty first, nineteen eighty five. Snake loser found guilty in Snowmass Village, Colorado. A twenty two year old woman has been found guilty of cruelty to an animal for losing her pet snake. But will this is weird? But will get the reptile back as soon as it regains its strength. A hysterical woman reported finding the four-foot female boa constrictor, in her closet. Renee Jenman, the owner of the boa constrictor, told Judge Lippman that she lost the snake last July. Now keep in mind, this, this article is March 31st. She lost it in July. That's eight months. She lost the snake. She said she was cleaning, cleaning the animal cage when it disappeared, and she thought it had gone out the door. A few months later, she moved. The judge chastised Miss Jenman for not notifying her la- landlord about the missing reptile, asking, what if it had turned up in the, in the center supermarket and caused a panic? The judge found Miss Jenman guilty of cruelty to and abandonment of an animal. She was fined $300, which was suspended for a year, and ordered to perform five hours of community service. She said she she has owned the snake for six years. The snake found unable to lift its head will be returned to her when it was when it has recovered. And she pays sixty dollars to the town for its care. It's kind of weird that they are giving it, charging her with animal cruelty, and then g- giving it back. That's kind of weird. <laughs> well, they probably don't want it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that it's was weird. It's one of those double standards, though, Steve, because a lot of people, a lot of uh, people, don't think that hurting reptiles is animal cruelty. 
sometimes. Yeah. You know, there's like a, yeah. there's a misconception there. So, but yeah. Well, hmm. that was March 31st, 1985. Awesome. Okay. Now, I'm jealous. I saw... I keep seeing on Facebook that picture of that blonde pastel lesser with that almost perfect stripe. And uh, yeah. I have to ask, why are you selling that? That one is a female, unfortunately, and I have a female already. And I, I held back a male this year that has almost... Uh, another another stripe, not quite as nice as that one, but but um, so I have a male and female already that I've held back. <laughs> and the female um, has a stripe like that too. Yeah, it's it's broke up more than that one is, but. So why wouldn't you sell I, the broken I, up one? Why would you sell the perfect one? Well, that the broken up one's sitting at about eleven hundred grams. And she should go this year. Okay. <laughs> I I don't understand. I'm, I'm, that. <laughs> I can't I can't keep them all. <laughs> I'd like to. Yeah, but but come on, Steve. Seriously, man. I mean, that snake is like one of the coolest looking snakes, the ball pythons I've ever seen. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find a link and post it so people can see it. Uh, or maybe you can post it in the group. You probably can, you have quicker access to it. Post it in the chat yeah. room so people can see it. I mean, and you can, right. I'd like to see what I'd like to see what the listeners think about you selling this thing. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, I I have both. I just posted it. I have both the parents. You know, so I, I'm sure I could produce another one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right. And actually, hopefully this year I'll be. Uh, I just picked up, and I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of champagnes, but I picked up a champagne fire today, and I'm really that. looking Very forward cool. to. Yeah, with a paradox spot on it, but um, I'm looking forward. To, eventually, I'm going to put that to the blonde lesser also. Nice. So I could produce uh, champagne, champagne, fire, blonde, lessers. Jeez, how many genes can you put in those things? I guess a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. But, it, yeah. it, you know, who knows? It might just, like, totally cancel everything out and go back to normal. You never know. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't know. I like, like, in, in the world of leopard geckos, producing really nice stripes is something we all aim for. And you pretty much nailed it with that snake. Let's see what people are saying. Come on, guys. What are you saying? Yeah. Should he be selling that snake or what? <laughs> I don't know. They're not commenting yet. Uh, I think it's crazy. Some. I got, you got uh, <laughs> famous famous last words from Rachel. <laughs> yep. You got pretty nice magazine cover material. That's actually maybe I should send a picture to Reptile Magazine. Yeah, Definitely. Wow. I'll share it, too, on the Gecko Nation radio page. Or you could put it up there. Let everybody see it. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Well, what else is going on in your uh, in your collection there, Steve? Um, I only have a couple more clutches in the incubator of uh, leopard geckos and uh, one more milli-eye clutch, 
waiting to hatch, um, which those guys just take take a while, you know, for them. Mm-hmm. I think I'm looking at like somewhere around 70 days. I think they hatch. Um, wow. The yeah. milliides, yeah, they're a little mm-hmm. longer, but I incubate them at, at 82 degrees. So, but um, cool. other than that, I'm just just feeding everybody, and they're just making me clean everything and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what they do. Well, cool. All right, yeah. well, I just want to thank you very much for all the news, great news stories and uh, for all that you do for the show and the great videos. And a uh, terrific job on Rebecca's video, by the way. I love how it came out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Awesome theme for it. So, yeah. yeah. And we look forward Yeah, we look forward to, uh, to seeing what you got for us next week, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, Steve. Hopefully we'll see you at the next White Plains show. Hopefully. Um, Check me out on on Facebook and YouTube under BC Barker Creations. That's right, folks. All right, Steve, we will see you next week. I'll see you there. All right. All right, Tim, what do you say we bring on Miss Rebecca Hassler? Sounds good. Bring her on. All right. Rebecca, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. I am. Good evening. Good evening, Rebecca. How are you tonight? Or this morning? I'm feeling great tonight. (laughs) Hope you guys are having a great evening over there. Absolutely, definitely. Tim, you're doing all right. How are you doing tonight, Tim? I'm doing very well. How, what's new with you, Rebecca, since we've spoken last? Oh, well, I just returned from a short trip in Swiss. So I literally just came home. And right now I'm sitting here in my kitchen with a cup of hot tea. And, yeah, getting excited of doing this show. <laughs> Cool. Thank you so much for coming on. I know it's very early in the morning where you are. What time is it by you? <laughs> 2 a.m. I think I might be the last gecko person up tonight here in Germany. <laughs> or maybe awesome. the first. I don't know. Depends on how much work has to be done. But, yeah, okay. feeling great. Cool, cool. We spoke during the week, and um, you were a little concerned that you wanted everybody to know that um, you know, you you do your best uh, speaking English for us, and I just want to tell you live on the air that you speak better English than some Americans. So, you know. <laughs> oh, I can hear. I think that's an overstatement. <laughs> I try my very best. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do great, and you know, it's. I think you have a great accent, and you have a very intelligent way of speaking. So. You know, all of our interviews on the show have been just fantastic. So um, let's get into some of the things that we talked about, Rebecca. I think the the, the most important thing that we could touch on is um, let's talk a little bit about standards. It's something that uh, a lot of us are very passionate about. You know, when you reach a certain level of, um, I guess, uh, with your projects where you've invested substantial uh, finances and time, uh, standards are very important. 
Um, how do you feel about them? Oh, well, uh, first of all, for all of you who don't know me, um, my colleague Martina Konechny and I have been breeding leopard geckos for some years, and we started breeding or going into the color morph breeding in 2005 and have been breeding them ever since. So, of course, it's not like Marsha McGuinness and some other people who have decades of experience ahead, um, but, of course, um, when you're breeding more than one or two seasons, you're starting to get a feeling um, for developments. You're starting to see um, things improve or develop. And so, of course, um, you have a different perspective of some things than somebody who might just be getting into the hobby and searching for all those informations. Um, regarding the morph standards, I think as a person coming from the standard fish scene breeding before breeding geckos and also um, coming from the purebred dog corner, <laughs> I can say that I personally think it could be beneficial, uh, especially for beginners, but also for the long-term breeders to prove quality for our customers and also to stand apart from the mass of people um, that unfortunately does not really care about genetics and health management at all. So um, in theory, a well-thought-out and official standard uh, could actually help a lot to ensure quality in our hobby by defining very accurate what is okay in our hobby and what's not. So what do we want to see in a leopard gecko? What is a healthy leopard gecko? And what is a healthy, let's say, electric? And as you already said in the first sentence of the show, when does it drift apart from, yeah, from the picture we know? Is a Ferrari built up with left with 20% of original parts? Is this still a Ferrari, or is it something else? It's not so easy to get a clear answer to that question. But um, this is why I think a standard could really, really help, especially the beginners, um, clearing up the waters and also help the people who are really interested in, in conservation breeding like uh, Dragoon Geckoes and, and some other breeders yeah, to, to enhance this and also to um, prove that what we are doing is yeah, in the sense of the original creator of those lines. I mean, an ordinary yellow-orange gecko is, in my opinion, not an electric, but if we put it honest, it is actually a low-grade tangerine from electric line, and in my opinion, this is a huge difference. I mean, if you're buying an electric, you want to make sure you're getting what you're, what you're paying for, and and with the current situation on the market, to expect a um, 50 bucks or 200, even 200 bucks electric to be even close to the original founder lines is very risky, at least to say, because people that have been in the scene, they know where those animals are, they know which people are breeding them, and they know that it's not that it does not happen that a pure electric is waiting around every corner. Of course, you can use the Internet and type in, in the search machines. We do not want to mention here <laughs> the word. <laughs> and you will get a lot of, you know, um, 
really nice pictures of nice animals, but without a comparison factor, you cannot say, how can you tell for sure that this is an electric? I mean, many people who come to my stock usually say, which makes me really sad, now I know what electric should look like because they see that this is not just an orange gecko, it's a bright reddish animal with a very defined characteristic color, with a characteristic spotting, with a characteristic uh, amount of lavender or not or whatever. So, and, and of course it also pushes people um, in, in, in a corner we don't want to belong. I don't want to say that other people are not breeding good geckos, and, and I definitely do not say that. There are a lot of people breeding very nice electrics, but you have to know how to find them, and you have to know how an electric looks like in order to find one. You cannot search for a Ferrari and do not have a picture in your mind how this car should look like. So I think, um, <laughs> yeah, even every car uh, company has a kind of standard. You can tell by the looks usually to which company this car belongs, uh, more, you know, sometimes more, sometimes, you know. But I think this is exactly um, what the standard could do for us in the hobby to make it a little easier for the people who want to hold uh, the original lines and also for the ones that want to buy it. Um, I have to say, if we're talking about standards that, this idea is not a new one. In the past, for example, on Gecko Forums Net, there has been some there has been some discussions about this topic, and especially the question whether we need a written and official standard or not. And ten years ago, it was a completely different situation, and it simply was not necessary to that time uh, to worry so much about it. Um, however, as time does not stand still, a lot of Things have changed for us in the community uh, meanwhile, and with Facebook and social media currently replacing the, the books and forums, um, it is more and more challenging for many people, um, not only for the beginners to say it honestly, um, but also for breeders like me and you, um, David, to get accurate information of finding out who the good people in the hobby are. Um, for example, there are so many newcomers coming in the hobby, and we are so happy about uh, everyone who wants to join this hobby. But for people like you and me, as let's call it established breeders, it is, it is getting really hard to find out which ones really do start with a serious attitude and which ones simply yeah, do not take it uh, with the responsibility that comes when you're producing um, living animals and dealing with life and, and the great responsibility of, of life and death in your hands. So mm -hmm. I think um, in the end we had the discussions. Um, it, would be, it could be a, a beneficial. Um, however, I think in the end it always depends on every single one of, of you guys out there, whether you as a customer and uh, here it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or a breeder or a keeper or whatever. So if you as a customer will see a need for a standard and demand this to happen or not, and I think if you do, uh, then actually we could see some great changes happen here for the gecko community. 
That's, that's yeah, some very interesting points you made there, Rebecca. Um, can you go a little bit more in detail other than uh, social media? Um, go a little more in depth on what uh, some of the changes have been over the last 10 years in the hobby and industry. Okay. Well, please correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, this is just a personal experience. I mean, we are... Um, yeah, located on different places, and so things can be different in your country and over here. So, um, but to my feeling, when I started out with geckos, the community was a lot smaller, and um, many things were done on a personal contact. First, you had this breeding clubs. When I started out with fishes, those were local. Uh, yeah, local communities of breeders that just, you know, rented together a big room and started breeding. So this was for, for you as a beginner or for me as a beginner. It was the perfect opportunity to to go in there and, and have a look and see uh, what's happening in, in real life before, you know, getting animals and getting started and being overwhelmed with all those uh, challenges I had. So I was actually more able to to do things more locally. It has changed a lot since then. Meanwhile, it's totally normal to get the geckos if you're in Europe from US or getting your geckos from Europe or from Asia or whatever you want. And you just click on a buy button and then you have it and then you're looking on the pictures and if they fit your, uh, yeah, what, what you're looking for and the prices and um, the sector reader and knowledge is getting less and less important nowadays because people feel or get the wrong impression that with this mass and mass of advertising, um, readers and, and, and the possibilities of, um, you know, creating a professional Facebook site, creating a professional website, it's not so difficult anymore doing this. I mean, back in 2000, um, yeah, it, it, it did cost a lot of money doing this, all those stuff. And so um, it, it's getting difficult to pick the better ones from the not-so-good ones because on first view they all look a bit similar. They all um, write similar things on the home pages, blah, blah, blah. So it's not so uh, easy then in a personal contact um, evaluating the real background knowledge of a breeder. And whenever you're you want to play big or whenever you, you're focused on health or on uh, an exact phenotype and not just, you know, I want one gecko and I don't care and he will stay my only pet forever and ever. Whenever you want to get somewhere, we always discuss this, it is absolutely essential getting your geckos from a breeder who knows what he's doing. And this doesn't mean that he is you know, buying high-end animals, he has to know which animals to put together and most important, which, not, which ones not to use in a breeding project. By the way, for all of you who want to go in detail about this topic, please check out um, geckotime.com. There are free articles provided by me and others, um, and there is one article especially for uh, the gecko people, it's called um, Health Management in, in Leopard Gecko, so please check this out. Um, I think another um, point that we see in the community is that um, 
a few years ago, there were places like Net, and they were the source. There was one main point for, for everybody to meet. So it was easier to to evaluate who are the big players, who has which projects, and who are they. And, and you were dealing on an almost daily level with the same people. So, of course, it was a little bit more personal, and you had to think twice what to say and what to put online, because otherwise, as a beginner, it could happen that you got a, yeah, uh, a word, a friendly word by an older one telling you what to do and what's inappropriate. I mean, honestly, many people underestimate how much work and how much time it really costs making sure that the electrics look that way they, they do and the lavenders look that way as shown on your pictures. So if you're you know, doing comments like, oh, it's too expensive and I don't want to buy it and don't you want to sell it for me for five bucks? They really underestimate that maybe not everybody, but, but for some readers, this is really, really a hit, a slap in the face. It's like saying, yeah, you're, you're ugly or something. I mean, it's, it's like saying your gecko is not worth this to me. Whether you want this gecko or not, it's your personal decision. Nobody can take this decision from you or should. It's always okay to silently think, okay, this is maybe not my price range or openly talk uh, with a breeder about it. I have many of my customers saying, you know, I have this in this budget and I'm looking for these and these colors. Can you please um, show me some animals that fit in this category? Now, and everybody else, uh, I think, will do the same. Every good breeder will be happy to do this, but it's, some things are not very friendly and not very okay, and it's definitely not a good idea starting out with, you know, with an attitude that, you know, here I am and, and nobody knows me, but everybody should treat me like, I don't know, they know me for ages, and on the contrary, I don't have to do anything in return. Like in every community, it all depends on your actions, so this is getting lost. So um, I think this is the big challenge today for the good people getting in contact with the breeders because many breeders like me have made very unpleasant experiences and many are not even willing to talk openly in um, public about uh, geckos anymore because they just want to be left alone in peace. So this is exactly why me and some others are really uh, happy to do something for the community by participating in those shows. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. We don't want to sell you anything. It's just that we can address some topics that really, really help you out getting a better start in this hobby and, and doubling your chances of getting what you want. If you want just a healthy gecko for a certain budget, you can certainly do so. But you have to do your research, and this is the last point, research has gotten so difficult because right now with Facebook you don't have a search function. There are thousands of groups and thousands of people. Everybody's claiming I'm the best and I'm in the business for blah, blah, blah years. Who can prove it? <laughs> if you go to get in Gecko forums, you could prove it. You can go back in time and see, okay, this is Rebecca. She claims to have love in this. Oh, let's go back and see. Let's check yeah. her out. What has she produced so far? And then they will see if I'm just talking big or if I have really done something. So 
I think this is a very, very important fact that people should be aware about, that with the social media as like Facebook and Twitter, as much as, as they help us in some points, they also um, reduce our possibilities in other points. So maybe it's time to think about um, going back to some old but you know, approved and, and um, yeah, good sources like the forums, like GeckoForms.net, like GeckoTime, and, and check out the breeders and, and diving a little bit in history. I definitely agree. I hope I didn't need some points, but it's, 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 as you see, it's an endless topic. I'm trying to get every point. I'm sure I missed a thousand, so if you have uh, another idea, please let me know. No, I, I definitely agree, and, and you started off talking about um, what I would call the, the globalization of the hobby, which just wasn't there, you know, 10 years ago. The, the combination of the Internet and social media and also um, the ability to, to ship, um, you know, uh, several geckos at a reasonable rate from the U.S. to other parts of the world and from other parts of the world to the U.S. And, um, you know, there, there used to be such a, a small, um, you know, so, such a few number of breeders to get geckos from, and now you know, there are so many and, um, and some people, you know, don't think twice if they just want to get a couple geckos of getting them, you know, of Americans getting them from Europe or Europeans getting them from the U S and that just wasn't, it just didn't happen, you know, 10, 10 or so years ago. And, um, so I definitely agree with you bringing up, you know, that point it's changed so much in the hobby and, also that it came at the same time that the Internet was taking off and, and some of these social media uh, sites were starting up. I mean, honestly, what I have to say is um, those, all those possibilities and the developments also provide us great chances. And I'm always a person that tries to go uh, yeah, with the time and uses everything for, for the, the best, my capacities to ensure my, my animal's well-being, etc. So uh, this is surely a, a great point is that, to be honest, in the beginning, it, it was just literally almost impossible for me as a European breeder uh, importing all those high-end stuff from the U.S. to my stock because I couldn't afford it. It was really, really tough getting your hands on animals uh, uh, that, that were able to be shipped out because people didn't have those uh, abilities to ship out so easily from, from one continent to another. And now, I mean, people can get even animals from me and starting their own project, which is simply mind-blowing <laughs> compared to where we started from. So on the other hand, what I see and, and what, is a, what I might not use as a critique, but as a point for be for beginners and also for our other people to just think about. Uh, it is the point that we already touched with Ron Tramper in our last roundtable discussion. So I am sure I'm not alone with this opinion. Uh, when I started with geckos, I couldn't afford, sometimes I couldn't afford the top animals that I wanted. Now I can, but 
it's so hard finding find them. Sometimes, like with the lavenders, you simply do not find animals that match the the quality, the certain type, the the the, the, the whole composition of what you have in your stock and what you're focusing on. It doesn't mean that there are not other very nice animals of the type out there. It's just that, like in breeding dogs, you're breeding Great Danes and someone is breeding Schnauzers, and they can be the best Schnauzers on the whole world, and both dogs can be black. But if you're breeding Black Danes, you really have to be sure that what you're breeding in is not destroying your work of the last years. And this is the problem or the point that I'm getting confronted with more and more and more over the last years, because many people are not very willing to get in-depth knowledge of genetics, which is really essential for anybody breeding and working with lines. I'm sorry to say, it's just not enough buying the animals from one breeder and then breeding them always together. You have to read the books or you have to get someone to assist you in order to get more than, you know, a few nights of spring and two or three years later you yeah, you stop. So um, this is the point that I am really stressing out nowadays, that we have to think about if the quality, the general quality worldwide of certain morphs is declining. Like, I don't know, the basic morphs, the trampers, whatever, they, they were they were ten years ago so many colorful trampers out there, and I'm I'm realizing after addressing this uh, topic on gecko forms in uh, one of the first episodes, I I've, I have really noticed that some breeders are now starting breeding really beautiful tramper jungles again, which makes me so happy <laughs> because they are just stunning and beautiful. But I mean, yeah, nowadays I see almost no electrics anymore really getting close to what has been around in the original stock and it's really hard doing outcrosses if you are the only one in your field. So I can really encourage people to go for quality and, and not be scared of, of genetics. It's not that complicated. It's not like Harry Potter's biting books and <laughs> they won't hurt you. And um, you can contribute, you can take your role and your very important part of, of in holding valuable treasures for, for the next generation, which is really, really one of the, yeah, in my opinion, the most important point nowadays. Everybody is looking for the next new thing to happen and they forget that once they cut off the basics, they don't have anything to, yeah. They don't yeah, have anything I, I, where not no foundation to, to to grow from. I mean, it has to come from somewhere. Yes, and I, I think um, a lot of the newcomers now get spoiled because um, it's it's so easy to acquire animals, and it's so easy to acquire the proper husbandry equipment and and food, um, all these things that were not so easy to come by several years ago. Um, and I, I agree with you um, that it'd be nice to, to drive um, some people, some newcomers in the hobby, to drive them toward um, the forums and geckoforums.net 
to to learn um, that way rather than to learn, you know, by people posting up a question here or there on Facebook or whatever and, and finding answers that way that just get lost. And the same, yeah, you know, exactly. another person comes along right after them to ask the same question, and those answers exactly. get lost. Exactly, and this is getting an impossible task. We, even the, the, the kindest and best breeder of the world can't sit 24-7 on Facebook answering all of your questions. It simply is impossible. There are so many groups. Some of uh, we can only manage, you know, to check out um, a certain amount of groups per day, so... It's just not possible. That's the first point. And the second point is when you're talking about more standards and beginners and the difficulties of acquiring information, if you're posting a question on Facebook, please be aware that everybody can answer it and, and there won't be so many cho uh, possibilities for admins like in the forum to you know, control that every information you're getting is actually accurate. So... Uh, it should be in, in your own interest to uh, check back if, if the information you're getting is accurate. And this is not, surely not done by simply asking, oh, somebody told me I can, you know, throw my gecko in the freezer. Is this correct? I mean, yeah, what about using the Internet and the search function to actually check out in the forums? There have been done so many interesting posts and th uh, threads about the um, most important topics like diseases and nutrition and growing and problems and egg laying and egg binding. All this information is already there, uh, ready for you to, to, yeah, just waiting for you. Uh, the easiest way to, to get information is, yeah, doing the basic research on the, the literature because it's so hard lying on a book without getting caught. So this is personally my, always my first step. I'm getting all the basic information from a book because this is yeah, maybe the oldest way, but there are meanwhile e-books available. It is for sure the best way to, to uh, yeah, get a, have, a, have the information checked by someone before they go into print. So then you can fill up the last uh, uh, holes in your knowledge by going in the forums and ask specific questions or check with the keywords if, if the post has already been done. And then maybe you can check in, in Facebook and social media for other people's opinions. But I would honestly never, ever take the risk as a, for example, let's say I want to go in, in keeping snakes. I would never go there and say, oh, you know, which is the correct temperature for keeping ball pythons because I don't want to risk my ball pythons' life and health just because some <laughs> person might be on a jokey mood today and tell Rebecca that it's totally okay to put them in the cellar and not put any heating on it. So, yeah. So, um, ideally, Rebecca, what would, would you like to see? You know, if you could have it your way, um, what would you like to see happen with, with the MORPH standards? Would you, would you like to see it come out in a book um, or an app? Or, how, you know, ideally, what, what do you think would be the best? Oh, that, that's a very good question because, yeah, obviously we have two kinds of people in the community, the ones that are in the hobby already for a long time 
We certainly have all our different opinions about the genetic inheritance of some morphs or uh, the look of some lines, but we do have, of course, seen some uh, seasons and, and uh, our colleagues work and, and we have some insight to some degree. Of course, we are all humans and, and can all do mistakes, but in general, yeah, the knowledge is on this side and on the other side I can totally understand every beginner coming into the hobby and wondering, you know, is it really fair to do a standard only by a few people? So, yeah, I honestly, I do not want to, um, take myself on, on one side or the other. I see the need of doing a standard, but on the other hand, of course, I'm a bit um, careful of, of, you know, pushing this topic too far because I don't want to interrupt with anybody's, you know, free will and belief and whatever, which makes this hobby so fascinating. Um, I would say that we as a community, and this includes all people, especially the newcomers, especially the first, second season breeders who really, you know, want to get uh, um, in the higher range, who really want in the meaning not of, you know, uh, beauty, but on health and, and ethics and, and respect and whatever. So in the end, it's not really who produces the best-looking gecko. This is all a personal taste. In the end, it's all about respect in the community and respect does usually come from a good customer service, from honestly, honesty, from a good uh, relationship to both your colleagues and your customers and your reliability. And so to achieve this goal, um, it would be a lot easier if you ha would have a standard. So I'm sorry if I'm tiptoeing a little bit on this topic, but yeah, let's say if, if I would have it my way, I would say yeah, let's make a, a poll. Let's make a big poll and let people decide if we want the standard or not and then, you know, have it written um, by, several, by some people and in agreement and then let people decide if they go okay with it and then publish it in, in, in an e-book or in an app or whatever. So it certainly should not be something that one person decides, no matter if it's me or somebody else. I mean, this is my personal taste. I can also be mistaken sometimes. It's, that's what a good breeder has always, has, always, um, has always to be aware of. It's not only your opinion that counts. So only then you're able to, to evolve and, and to improve. So um, it should be something that the community really is doing together. It certainly is something that even under perfect circumstances will need some time to develop and grow because there will always be some spoilers saying, oh, we don't need this and all of this is bullshit and blah, 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 and everybody can label the animals the way they want. So in the end, maybe the only way to politically get this through could be a kind of like a dog breeding. It all started with a camel club. Those were a bunch of few people who decided, okay, we want to 
be apart from, from others. We want to prove to our customers that we all agree to certain points that are important to us, like health and, and uh, mobility. This is a very important part in dog breeding, and it also is anatomy is very important to leopard geckos, in my opinion, as a vet student especially, because it ensures that your gecko is having the best chances of living the life it deserves without pain and without problems and, and whatsoever. So, yeah, the question is open whether we will be able to make this in polls and can achieve this in polls, like we need an app. I would really like to see this happen because it's not so strict. I'm not a really friend of, of doing this kennel club thing right now because I feel it's too, it's too much limitation too soon. But on the other hand, maybe this will, ha will happen in five or ten years when people are sick and tired of getting nowhere. So we don't know what happens. We will just have to wait and see. Um, yeah, Rebecca, I have, a, I have some comments I'd like to make on this topic too. After uh, We're going to take a break real quick though. Um, I want to thank Tim for um, his contribution to the first hour of the show. Thank you very much, Tim, for co-hosting. Thanks for having me, Dave. Okay, we'll see you on another one. Thanks. Uh, have a good night, okay, bud? Have a good night, Rebecca. Thanks for uh, staying up late with us. I have to uh, sign off because I have to wake up early tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. It was nice to see you or hear you again, and, yeah, hope to meet you in another episode. All right, good night, guys. All right, later, Tim. Okay. Um, yeah, Rebecca and listeners, hang tight. We're going to come back with some more uh good topics and uh, you guys hear uh, my opinion on things. Hang tight, folks. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets, for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making, known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art. You can now download his Leopard Gecko Care app, his Morph Encyclopedia app called Leopard Gecko Pro, and visit his site, leopardgecko.com, to see where morphs are made. GiantLeopardGecko.com specializes in giant and supergiant leopard geckos with a focus on selectively bred exceptional lines of many different morph combinations, including high-end African fat tails and crested geckos. With over 17 years of experience in herpetoculture, Keith Kiggins brings you quality, integrity, and value. Check out GiantLeopardGecko.com on the web and on Facebook. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit SupremeGecko.com for his available animals and supplies. ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches. 
Whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps, abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. Okay, everybody, we are back. And um, interesting discussion tonight. Uh, We're really hitting on some very important issues that are occurring right now. I just want to remind everybody to uh, not, don't forget to mention Gecko Nation Radio sponsors, and uh, they're going to take care of you. Use the code Gecko at checkout with AB Dragons for 5% off, and GNR2014 with le- GiantLeopardGecko.com uh, for 20% off until September 30th. All right, I'm going to bring Rebecca back on. Uh, Rebecca, you really nailed a lot of important topics in the last half hour and a lot of good points that you made. I agree 100%. And I think a lot of the serious uh, breeders out there would agree as well. Um, my, my comment, too, is that over the last five years, I've, uh, from, from uh, networking with um, people like Ron Tremper, Marsha, Matt, John, Scarborough, and other, yourself, and other um, uh, respected and serious uh, breeders. I've gained a lot of knowledge about the history of these projects and these lines, and there is a lot of insider information that the average hobbyist will never really get to hear. Like, like I'll hear little tidbits about certain lines. Well, did you know that so-and-so used one of these to make that look? And these are little things that people out there the average hobbyist will never know unless they get in a tightly knit circle of serious breeders, and that takes that takes time, energy, uh, investment into high quality animals. Um, and that being said, that that's one of my 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 big I don't know my big concerns. I guess is well with my projects now that I know this. The, all this in, insider information about the history and what certain breeders did. It's even that much more important to me to know that my lines and my projects are from those top lines because I want to know that I'm passing on to other people the absolute best or the absolute purest animals that I can. And as, as, and as, as you know, I guess, the ideal standards that I can produce as well. Now, my question to you is, a lot of people that are coming into the hobby are um, average hobbyists today. There are some budding, um, serious hobbyists just starting out. I know a few of them. Daryl Burton is one from Longhorn Geckos. And, um, you know, but the, the ones that are budding, serious hobbyists like yourself and myself and uh, other breeders out there are few and far between. One of the ideals that I have in the group declination is to let as many of the new hobbyists and new enthusiasts in, people getting their geckos at Petco and whatever is all fine with me because I believe that by letting those new people in, some of those people, a percentage of them, and it will be a small percent, but some of them will go on to appreciate these finer bloodlines. And by 
exposing them to um, these special animals and special um, breeders, you know, will awaken some of those people. Now, the problem, though, is a lot of these people um, are having, like you said, they're having a hard time finding that that important information on Facebook because it just gets lost. So my question is, how do we um, teach people on a large scale or all at once um, some of that history and some of the, you know, that, that important information and also what do you do when you see people buying geckos that you know are not what the person is selling them for and, and, and they're buying them and they're posting, oh, look what I just got from so-and-so, um, and you just cringe because you know it isn't what, what they're saying it is. How do you deal with stuff like that? hope that wasn't too much for you all at once. <laughs> oh, she just dropped off. I, she's on a Skype call. Okay, folks, hang tight. She'll call back in and I'll bring her back. Um, those of you guys in the group, I, I mean, what, how do you feel about this situation? Um, a lot of you listening to the show right now are people that are seeking knowledge. You want, if you're listening to the show, you, you're one of those people that wants to uh, educate yourself on the history and get involved and learn, you know, the, the more the finer points to breeding and also to learn who's got those good geckos. Um, you know, that's important to you. Well, how do you feel about this situation? All right, I think this is her. Rebecca, is this you? I'm sorry, David. My telephone just broke. That's, so uh, okay. this is proof that we are live and uncut here, guys. So, I hope you won't you mind. Can you please repeat the last part of, of your question? Sure. Basically, I just want to know is, um, you know, I, I see a lot of people out there that are new hobbyists, and they're buying geckos sometimes from those few breeders that we know don't always have the most ethical uh, breeding practices and don't, you know, always have the best uh, or, you know, best forms of the standards, and they're using the terms or they're selling geckos as, I'm just going to use as an example, electrics or whatever, and we see people buying them, and, you know, the people are excited. They got a new gecko. They're happy. And, you know, people in the know are, are kind of cringe, and that we're like, oh, God, I can't, can't believe people are buying those geckos when we know the history and we know what that person's up to and we know the person's reputation. How do we deal with stuff like that without, you know, you, it's not like you can go to that person and be like, why did you just buy a gecko from so-and-so? Did you know that, you know, they didn't keep that line pure or there's a chance that that line has het trimper and het bell albino? You know, because that just makes you look like, you know, you're in competition or you don't, you, you know, then the person feels like you're being um, too aggressive or I don't know what the word is. But did you understand what I'm saying? How do you deal with stuff like that that goes on every day? Honestly, it is that that really is the challenge. That is the deciding factor how long you're into this hobby, meaning in how long you are staying into the hobby. I think many people get frustrated over time and then they just quit. So, um, But let's start from the bottom. I mean, honestly, I have to start... If, if we are talking about this topic, I would like to to uh, tell my personal story. I mean, 
Of course. I did start out breeding leopard geckos, or it, it all started in a pet shop where I was working as a, as a school kid, and I was in this standard fish breeding, and I was very excited in breeding better splendens and guppies for a standard, and I was just, yeah, having my first really um, success in, in line breeding. I was establishing uh, my violet crown tail line, which was the first one in Europe ever, and people couldn't believe that it was just a little girl that did this. So, of course, I I was not in the best position to, um, yeah, <laughs> get out a new line, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because I always had the, the feeling that I was too young for, yeah, really um, playing, being a player in the hobby, and I never wanted to be at that point it was totally okay with me anyway so it all started in this pet shop where a colleague of mine I was running with, with some other guys we were in the fish sector and this guy was like oh Rebecca come over here I want to show you something and we were good friends so, so he was leading the terroristic section and it all started there because I was staring at those cute little geckos and I was totally smitten and I was not different from from anybody else in, in Facebook, and I never claimed that I have been born in a, I don't know, <laughs> different way. You all start somewhere, and it's totally okay. And for me, it's so important uh, to, to, yeah, to agree with what you already said, David, that we accept everybody in the hobby and that it is totally okay to start off with a gecko you like and, and you can afford and, and blah. Um, and at some point, you decide whether you just want to keep it as a hobby, which is totally cool, meaning for me, not reproducing, because reproducing is, this is the point where it actually, where it changed in me, because I realized that as soon, as long as I'm keeping them and loving them as my pet, there is nothing wrong with who they are and where they are from and how much they are. It's, it's, also, it's not... Price is not always a guarantee for quality, so I'm, I'm the last person on earth telling you that, that go for the most expensive gecko and you will get the best quality. On the other hand, going for the cheapest right. gecko and expecting the best quality is a bad, bad mistake. So that I'm seeing happens. this from actually three sides. I'm seeing this mm -hmm. from the point of the beginner that I was many years ago. I'm seeing it of the point of the breeder that I am right now, and I'm also seeing it very important from uh, the point of, of a veterinary student. And what I see in daily practice is that many people are willing to spend, I don't know the prices in U.S., but in Germany it's around 200 or 300 bucks on the setup and the tank and this, whatever, the, the ground and caves and everything they need. And then they invest. 20 euros or 20 bucks for a gecko. So it is a tenth of the, the, the total price of all the equipment that they are willing to invest in the living animal, which they expect to be healthy for a period of over 30 years. And what we see, um, many colleagues have, um, have been uh, uh, making the same um, experience here, what we see in reptile veterinary practice is that leopard geckos, which are supposed to be 30 plus years, um, I would say that 80% of them die very young. 
they die at the age of between two or five, and we, we have a few that are five years old. We have very few that are 10 years or older. We can count them on a few fingers, and, and most of them, they come to the practice, of, to, to, to the, the um, um, how can I say, uh, to the vets when, when they are very young and they don't survive, so we don't hear anything of them anymore. And if we check back, it's like, yeah, the animal has, you know, been put to sleep or it died or whatever. So um, it is from from all those different angles, I think it, it's getting more and more important talking about health when talking about quality. So a quality gecko is one that is raised with respect and the proper care because if I value my animals, then it is a self-understanding point that, that they are housed in a good way and, and I don't know, being raised in a good way and then you can be sure that the animal you're buying is living or has the best chances of a, of a proper and, and a normal life. So I didn't want to be one of those breeders who don't care about anything and just reproducing and then the people come at me and, and are mad at me. So I started really doing my research at the point where it was clear to me that I want to breed. And I started, of course, I started not with the hundreds and hundreds worth of, of uh, yeah, dollar geckos. But as we already discussed in a previous episode, I invested in my very first male, color morph male, 50 bucks. But I went through the whole shows, and not just one, to make sure that 50 bucks that I could afford, which was the maximum, is spent on one animal, not on two, not on 10, not on 20, not on 100, but on one, and that this animal is of the best quality, general quality, health, knowledge of the breeder, blah, 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 that I can afford. So this was my first breeder, and then I waited and saved up and got a female. And so this, this was the first hour of Dragoon Gecko. And we have, um, we have reached many goals that we have set ourselves in the meantime, which I'm, I'm really happy about. We still have a lot to do and a long way to go, as always. There's always something to learn and, and to improve. And... This is all about when it's about pre breeding to improve. You're not a good breeder when you're not at least willing to put your animal's interest before anything else and not knowing what you're putting together if those animal is healthy, not, not seeing after a while with a first view what the best breeders are in your colony is something that is not the best start in this hobby, no matter if you're geckos are from the top breeding line or if they are just sound good penguins. And this is what I tell people. You don't have to breed electrics if you can't afford them. It's better, if, if, yeah, better than breeding bad quality electrics in every aspect, in aspect of color, in aspect of inbreeding, in aspect of health and, and delusion of, of some traits. It's better to invest your money in some cheaper, really sound quality penguins and breed them in good quality. I mean, right. it could be beneficial for you, and, and, and it's certainly more beneficial for your customers. It will make your customers happy. It will make your, your animals happy because they are healthier. 
uh, because you put some thought into it and you selected the ones that are strong and, and able to reproduce in a good way and not the ones that have the name in front of them that you like but like everything now, else. Now, Rebecca, so. let me just jump in for a second. People in the in the chat room are saying something to the effect that, um, so they're, they're asking the question, so um, I should expect, my gecko that I spent a you know a lot of money on from a top breeder to live longer than the gecko that I got at the pet store, and my opinion is you may get lucky and get a great gecko that lives a long time from a pet store, and or you you know you may not, and um, and sometimes some breeders have been heavily line breeding or or inbreeding some uh, for some morphs, and you know. If you, knowing that history and knowing that insider information um, will, is is is, may, is may, giving you the opportunity to make an educated purchase, because sometimes mm. you know these very expensive animals may not be the best ones either. So, you know what's so where do you? I guess they want to know where's the best place to get my gecko, but there's no simple answer for that, right? Knowledge is everything. Go to your gut feeling. Compare different breeders, ask them questions, and don't be satisfied with a standard answer. Look at their homepage. Do they go into detail, or have they just copy-paste from somebody else? Is it just the pretty animals and, and some phrases like, you know, everybody can claim to have the best quality. Everybody can claim to, we love animals. Yeah, who doesn't love geckos? I mean, if you hate geckos, you don't breed them. It's It's not... <laughs> Okay, this is my humor. <laughs> Attention, right, please, this right, is my course. humor. It's not meant in a bad, in a bad way. So, uh, of course, yeah, I, I should uh, stop being being um, joking in a joking mood because I'm not a native speaker, so I don't want to. <laughs> no, it's good to bring um, it. Coming out the wrong way. So, um, <laughs> I would say, yeah, that this is what, what this is actually what I was hoping for. Um, I'm actually hoping that right now the listeners are starting to see that all the points that we discussed already, they're going into another like a network. This is not just mm -hmm. one point health or one point knowledge and one point price and one point social right. media. This is all a great network like a spider web and you have to follow those different strains and see the crossroads. And, and, yep. and uh, yeah, you can do this best by doing research. Find out who are the ones that are the longest in the hobby. Ask them for their opinion. I mean, of course, and again, this is also, um, it wouldn't cross my mind, honestly, to go to Mercedes-Benz and demand to speak to the top manager and ask him politely to tell me all his breeding secrets and, and or in his case, the uh, producing secrets of Mercedes. I mean, he will tell me crazy and he will kindly ask me to leave. So this is totally right. self-understanding that some people have the absolute right, you know, to um, keep some little secrets. So please don't be offended. You can always ask. The least they can say is, I'm sorry, I don't have the time. Sometimes it is the case. I have many regular customers who really demand my attention. I'm offering a life long service for my geckos at least. So, of course, I do simply don't have the time to chat for months and months with everybody um, because I also have a private life and a study and two dogs and <laughs> family. But 
yeah, of course. So, so if you are uh, uh, looking for my my regular feedback, of course, the safest way is to become one of my customers, and my customers can count on uh, that that I will, you know, um, save my time for them and make sure mm-hmm. they they don't, uh, you know. But this is not bad will. It is simply, and I think many breeders can agree here. Yeah, we have to keep our promises, and we can't promise our customers to assist them. If we say, oh, you know, there are 10 other guys in the line, so please wait 10 months, and then I will answer your email. So, of course, we have to make compromises. Usually, uh, I try and all the others try, you know, to, to help when we can. But on the other hand, we can we simply can't do the homework. So, um, I would say the best way is to go to Gecko Forms Net, to find out, uh, type in some, some names of lines that you're interested in. Then you can see the different phenotypes and people who are breeding them and how long they are breeding them. Then you can ask them specific questions. I'm always amazed if somebody is actually, you know, coming from the form and telling me, oh, you know, this project, I really like them, and in 2006 they looked like this, and 2008 I really like that look, do you have something like this, or what's your feeling, your experience? It's not about that he's interested in buying some, it's just that, you know, it really also helps if you're showing the breeder that you've done some research and that you know um, who you're talking to. I mean, obviously people asking me if I'm breeding blizzard haven't done a lot of research because they would know just from simply typing in dragoongecko.com that I'm a breeder, for example, uh, specialized and focused for color morphs and line breeding projects and that it is highly unlikely that I have something that is, you know, um, so far away from, from those um, breeding goals that, that, that I personally uh, follow and have. So, and, and maybe other breeders which are ex- known for their exclusive work with Patternless or Blizzard, they feel a little bit confused if people are frequently asking them for, I don't know, their giant jungles if they don't have any. So um, it, it really does help to have a short look around and see, okay, um, who might be the right people to talk to. Of course, I can't say a lot about lines I'm not working with. And, of course, um, yeah, this is... Um, Experience is, is really playing a role here. On the other hand, when we're talking about health from the veterinary point, I really want to stress this. Of course, your chances are higher of getting a healthy gecko. On the other hand, please be aware on the, of the fact that we all, you and me included, David, we do not produce machines. We are working with living beings, so sometimes we are limited by what nature gives us. So. We can always try our best, and we can have healthy babies. And I can tell you that in my breeding career, it rarely did happen, but it happened one or two times that I saw the gecko who was, you know, a little bit slow grower and not, you know, fulfilling the customer's hopes and dreams they put into this particular animal, which is why I always try to um, um, give the tip to people who are really interested and serious in, in following a, a specific breeding project, buy several animals, buy one in reserve, so if one doesn't work, you have one extra. And of course, breeders like me and you, David, will always make sure if something really um, 
is not turning out the way we also hoped for, we will of course make sure that that this customer is you know um, falling uh, as we say not on the hard ground but on is falling softly, so we will of course try to to make him happy and to yeah work with him and, and finding a solution that that works for him. But you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. And all the respected breeders out there, respectable breeders, will definitely do that. I do. I go one step further, and I've taken. And I'm not trying to toot my horn, folks. I'm just telling you how it is. Over the last five years, I've done my research and homework into the history and genetics, and I I can confidently say, with 100% certainty, that I'm breeding the absolute best geckos that I can find. Now, geckos will, you know, be unpredictable. Sometimes you could be breeding really hardy animals, and one animal could not do well. I mean, that can happen too. Genetics is a is a bit of a mystery sometimes, and we can only do our best to breed the strongest, healthiest animals together at any given time. And like Rebecca said, you know, a good breeder will, will definitely help you. Um, getting back to a little bit of what you were saying earlier, Rebecca, as for answering questions, I, due to my YouTube channel and Facebook and the show, I get so many questions that I just, I don't have the time to answer them anymore. So I actually have to focus on my customers' questions first. And, I mean, that's that's important. And, it's, I don't, and it, and it kind of makes me feel bad that I can't get to everybody. And I want to be able to get to everybody. So everybody listening out there, the way I help all of you that, um, that haven't bought for me is with this radio show. All right? All right. We do. I do everything I can, Steve and I, and the guests and the sponsors, do everything that we can to to get as much of the important yeah. information out there to you. Right? And, Rebecca, you exactly. know. Exactly. If they want to listen to all the shows, they like will me, I mean, maybe get a we lot can't answer every single email, but, but we want to make sure that through this show, which is a fantastic opportunity and uh, uh, yeah, to answer... Um, the most frequently asked questions so people can still have the feeling that they are not forgotten and that they are actually cared for and we do not yeah, forget their questions. And if we can't um, answer them individually, um, your show is actually making sure that, that most of those questions are actually answered. And, mm-hmm. and I think this is a great chance for, for the community. So just wanted to mention that. <laughs> No, absolutely. And you know what, Rebecca, one of the most important things about keeping our animals healthy, and this does, this goes for pet store geckos, this goes for fine bred lines that have been selectively bred for generations, is nutrition. And we, yeah. we should talk a little bit about that tonight. And you have some unique ways that you like to, uh, to use for your animals. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Oh, well, another endless question. <laughs> I'm feeling actually pretty bad because I'm talking so long on this particular show. I'm, I'm sorry. I hope I don't bore anyone with my monologues here. No, this um, is really good topics. We're doing good. Let's see. Um, well, I can see personally that, of course, as a, a vet student and being in the veterinary um, field of, of the hobby, um, I get asked quite a lot about um, what to do, how, how can I ensure that my gecko is 
living a long, happy, healthy life and, and what can I do to keep my gecko healthy and so on. And most of those questions are from um, uh, private uh, pet owners who just love their gecko and they, they want to, you know, live with him for a long, long time. And most of them have, as we discussed before, <clears throat> one or two bad experiences behind them where they lost the gecko in an early stage of his life. And, um, yeah, when you realize that many geckos are not getting as old as they should get, according to literature, at least, this is please my personal opinion, you're starting to um, think about what, what could be the reason. And, of course, to be honest here and, com and make the list complete, a lot of losses in early age comes from from uh, wrong housing conditions. Uh, we have the sand impactions. We have, I don't know, shedding problems, vitamin supplemental um, based disorders. We have, um, of course, uh, weak genetics. Some uh, few babies are just hatching out and they are so small and, and they don't want to eat. And sometimes if you put an ecopsy on them, you will find out that they are actually having a problem with the inner organs and it was just not visible for you as a breeder, but Mother Nature yeah, did react to it. So the gecko just didn't want to eat and, and was then dying in the first one or two weeks. And then, of course, we have the classical uh, losses like egg laying and hemipenis. Um, um, what was the word in English? Um, problems in, let's just say problems in the males. To make it short here, you all know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. So the reproduction yep. problems, but those are also said to be caused by nutritional problems. So let's put it this way, all of those losses can't just simply be for one or the other reason. So of course you start thinking what could be you know, a deciding factor or what can I influence? I can't influence a random genetic weakness. I can't influence, um, I don't know, some things, but what I can influence is the way I'm housing my geckos and if I'm housing my geckos correctly and they thrive normally, but they still don't get so old as they should. I mean, I have to think sooner or later about if maybe nutrition is playing a, a major factor in here. And I have to say, I'm always a practical person. Um, I'm, I'm looking um, at the natural habitat of the geckos and what they normally eat. So, um, of course, I haven't asked a leopard gecko yet and uh, get, uh, got an answer from him. But, I mean, by, by yeah, focusing on the studies that have been done in natural habitat, you can see that most wild leopard geckos do eat a diet that is very limited in fat and consists mainly of, I don't know, beetles and um, grasshoppers and whatever they can find there. But um, mealworms surely do not belong or very fat food like mealworms, like waxworms, like tophobas. They don't really belong so much to the daily excessive diet to a wild leopard gecko. So um, that, that was keeping me th thinking. So um, uh, my colleague Martina Konetsny, which is also in Dragoon Gecko and I, we have spent some time in, in private 
drive how to best good load our feeders and I can honestly say it's, it's a large, large field, large topic to talk about and um, I'm still having the impression right now that, that we are just standing, all standing on the edge to a whole new horizon when it comes to nutrition or geckos because it's, yeah, we're learning so many things and it's hard to say anything specific or as a proven scientific fact here, so please um, take it as a personal opinion. Um, I think that um, it is very important to be aware of the fact that in our normal mammals, which are not as, um, how can we say, sensitive in their digestive system as some reptiles are, we know from mice, we know from dogs and cats that if they are fed on an exclusively very fat-rich diet that they are getting problems with the inner organs. For example, they get this fatty liver. We know this, for example, from ducks where this effect is used for producing, I don't know, uh, some expensive uh, food items for us to enjoy. So this fatty liver, of course, the same process is happening if you're fending up your dog or your cat. We all know from our own human doctors that maybe it's not the best idea for your health. Um, yeah, becoming too uh, high in, in your weight um, because it is affecting you. You can, become, you can get diabetes, you can get massive problems with, with your bone structure so on and so on. I won't say that you can put it one-to-one -to, -one to leopard geckos, but what I can say is if you're looking at the massive problems that mammals and humans have when they are um, feeding on, on a fat-rich diet on a daily basis, it becomes obvious that leopard geckos, which in veterinary terms almost all are having a fatty liver when they are dying and, and, and we are doing nephropsy. So maybe it's not the worst idea to think about if it would be beneficial for our animals to reduce the amount of fat they are getting. So um, what we did actually um, at Ragoon Gecko is we feed a lot of different feeders. We, of course, feed mealies uh, occasionally, especially for pregnant females and young babies who are, uh, I don't know, not the best eaters to make sure they, they are getting their uh, portion of, of calories. But um, we are also feeding rich amounts of crickets, of roaches, of grasshoppers on anything that, you know, um, is an alternative to the daily mealworm diet. And I have found my geckos personally in, in my collection to be more more active and, and I don't know, I, I just have this feeling maybe this is just me and my stupid way of thinking, I don't know, but I feel better when I know that they are uh, fed uh, in a way that does not, you know, put their liver or their kidneys at risk. So because everything that, that you put into the body, it has to filtered and the mainly filter organs in the body are the kidneys and the liver so uh, most of the times those are the organs which get problems in the first place. So we also want to make sure we good load our feeders with organic food only. 
um, after we had some travels to with pesticides. I just, in my personal feeling, I just want to avoid pesticides, any pesticides being eaten by my feeder insects because I don't know how it can affect them and if they can affect my geckos, and I'm, I'm not willing to do the risk, to be honest. Um, so, um, also I think what is very, very important, no matter what you do, no matter if you're feeding mealworms only or if you want to give it a try and switch to other feeders, please watch the weight and the figure of your geckos carefully and if needed, set them on a diet if you have the feeling they're getting too fat, too heavy. So, um, yeah, I'm also very open for any um, yeah, experiments in case uh, how to improve uh, the good loading. So I'm right now, you know, having my own special mixtures of, of healing herbs to, to put into the, my cricket and roach diet to make sure they're getting everything they need. But I can't say for sure right now if this really is having an effect or not. This is just my private little hobby to to get a better feeling, to look what, what could be beneficial for them, for their health, for humans, and then I try to use it with the geckos. And, yeah. I, I have the feeling in some females especially that when you're feeding them uh, the feeders biological food and different food items, they're, they're really firing up in color. If they are totally, for example, my trampers, sometimes you get some, when you buy them, they look very beautiful and then they get brown. So I just realized with my breeders that when they are on a healthy diet, they are coloring up really nicely uh, again after laying. And I know from humans that a um, very healthy diet can have spectacular effects on the skin, so it doesn't really, you know, wonder me or, or yeah shocking me that, that we also see this effect happening on our geckos. I don't know if it's, you know, you have to be careful. It can be different in a different stock, so I don't want to say it is that way, but at least that's how it is in our stock. So maybe we, we can inspire some people, just give it a try and, and trying out different things and let us know and, and tell us and share their results with the community so we can all learn. Yeah, I agree, and I think a lot of people have their own uh, methods for gut loading, and um, you don't necessarily, there is a lot of great um, uh, gut loads out there that you guys can buy. Uh, you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money on uh, your gut loads. Um, I, I would, you know, try try to keep it more vegetable and plant-based, right, wouldn't you say, Rebecca? For sure, for sure. I'm just feeding them basically organic plants and I'm also, um, it is a good tip for mealies especially as they like their food dry to let some of the vegetables dry out a little bit first and then, you know, putting them into the box and letting them eat it. Right, right. Okay, well, before we wrap things up, everybody loves to hear about uh, your two, well, your one signature project, which is your lavenders and uh, your new project, which is your Neon Bells. Why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on with your 2014 projects? Sure. Um, yeah, first of all, we obviously had a, a short break in breeding this season until now because of my study and uh, 
uh, tons of work that had to be done for the exams. But I'm very, very happy to say that uh, right now almost all of our females are ovulating and that we are looking forward to yeah, some truly unique and exciting crosses this season or in the next. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see the, the, how the projects will develop over there. Um, regarding the NEONs, uh, I can say uh, that we decided, of course, because of the break and because we want to expand the collection first, we decided not to sell any NEONs until now. But we will plan to do so uh, next year. And for this episode of Gecko Nation, I decided that, um, yeah, normally you know, guys, that I'm, I'm really uh, picky of sharing secrets and that I really like to have the results done before uh, letting any information out. But many people were probing me about the neons and were sending me PMs if I could talk about them in my next interview. So, uh, yeah. I decided to, you know, um, let out some secret information, especially for this Gecko Nation radio show. And I'm very happy to say that um, we had some really nice gecko uh, babies from this project, from the Neons this season. We are also having still some eggs in the incubator to hatch. And, and this is the secret news, we are currently working on producing the very, very first white and yellow neon bell, uh, neon bell that the world has seen. So, nice. of course, I'm hoping you're all crossing your fingers for me and wishing me luck, and I will share it on my Facebook page, the Gundego Facebook page, as soon as it enters this world. So That's cool. I hope you hit on, hit on some great odds. I'd love to see the the white and yellow version. That's literally going to glow, definitely. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. So, yeah, let's hope we're having some luck. What do those do to hatch? Huh? What do those ones do to hatch? Pardon me? Rebecca, what do those eggs do to hatch? Um, Soon, I guess? I'm sorry. Do you mean how how many meals do you no, uh, when are they uh, due to hatch, the eggs? Ah, okay. Well, good question. You should ask my female. <laughs> She's uh, <laughs> right now <laughs> just putting okay. together with the male, so we will see how willing she is to yeah, throw out some eggs for us. And uh, if we can't hit it this year, I'm sure we will give it another try the next season. And... Um, I would be very, very happy if, if yeah, we can achieve this goal. But as always in breeding, it's, some part is knowledge and some part is luck. So it will all depend, all depend on one female if, if she's willing to help us and support us or if she's striking. <laughs> so um, let's hope for the better. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you know, we are coming to the end of the show, Rebecca, and it is always an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. And I think tonight, excellent job at uh, touching on some very important points about standards and about just very important things that are going on right now in the world of leopard geckos and how things are going. And, um, you know, what we do here is we're documenting history. And uh, years from now, we'll be able to go back and say, you remember when things were like that? 
and uh, I hope things are much different in the future and uh, different for uh, for the better. Uh, so um, I guess uh, definitely. Yeah, I this is my great hope that people will appreciate all the work that has been put in already, mainly from the other breeders here and also from you, and that they will be able to uh, get the tips how to gather information. I mean, many informations are already uh, on those radio episodes for you to, to check out and enjoy. And I think what is missing here you can surely find now with this knowledge easily yourself. So uh, I'm really hoping people are getting inspired and giving it a try and, and do not hesitate to, yeah, um, spread the word also to others that, um, yeah, those sources do exist and how to use them. And I think we, we could all could all benefit from that. Yep. And you know what? Some Some people will take the information and it will go in one ear and out the other and uh, you know the right passionate people will really connect with this information and maybe maybe it's someone listening right now maybe it's you out there or maybe it's uh, somebody listening a year from now or two years from now um, either way it's a win in my book so uh, Rebecca thank you so much for all that you're doing and uh, thank you very much for staying up late tonight and uh, giving us your knowledge and your time. Really appreciate it. Aww. I want to really uh, use my last words to thank especially you, David, for running this show and doing it with such a great effort and, and passion. And I'm sure it's, it's greatly appreciated by many people out there. Um, I would also like to, as time is running out, um, tell the people to... Uh, please uh, check out my Facebook page for getting the latest news on our meals and also, of course, of the lavenders. We are just hitting some uh, spectacular crosses this season. This should be awesome, and we'll have some available for March in for the March Hum Show for U.S. customers. So make sure you follow our work there. And uh, I would like to especially thank all my listeners tonight and all my followers on uh, all my followers on our Dragoon Gecko Facebook page as I read every single of your comments and your support really means the world to me. And uh, last but not least, of course, I, I really want to thank Steve for the amazing video trailer for this episode. And I wish you all a good night. Okay, cool. All right, good night, Rebecca. Thanks again. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right, folks. Another awesome episode comes to a close. Uh, Rebecca never disappoints with her knowledge and expertise. And uh, I want to thank everybody that tuned in tonight, of course, and everybody in the chat room. You guys are awesome. And uh, I'm going to play the outro and come back with my closing remarks. I actually wrote a little bit of a poem. I don't know if it's a poem, but I wrote a little something uh, that came to my mind uh, yesterday. Maybe you guys will like it. I'll play it in a minute. Stay tuned. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. 
You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right. Here's what I wrote, and I don't know that it really rhymes or anything like that, but you guys can tell me if I have a future as a poet or not. (laughs) I can take it either way. All right. Here we go. And it's called Living Arts. Living art captivates us because it is always in a state of evolution, an evolution that we can control to some degree. Evolution of design is a very fine line to control the fate of the look that the living art has took. We struggle through from obscurity to living legends of purity. The way of the living artist will determine the direction that the genetic chess game takes while all along consumed with the possibility of mistakes. These fine gifts from evolution require little of us, yet we give them so much. We rage on year to year until our vision is clear. Until our taste of living art is discovered, will we rest? After all the time and toil, it will only lead to the goals of another's living dream for living art. All right, folks, hope you like that. Let me know what you think, and uh, maybe I'll put it in the group. Uh, another excellent episode comes to a close. At this point, I'm going to go ahead and thank my sponsors, and then I'm going to play a cool song at the end. Number one, Dale's Bearded Dragons has been with us since the beginning, and they are the biggest and best supplier of reptile supplies at all of the Northeast Expos now, and their website is coming soon. They're also a new distributor of FlexWatt, and FlexWatt is, of course, the absolute safest and best key tape and most advanced key tape in the world. Uh, don't be fooled by people selling imitations, claiming theirs is better or safer. FlexWatt is still the latest technology. Uh, this doesn't say made in the USA by Calorie on its edge. It isn't genuine FlexWatt. Uh, AVDragons.com is the best supplier for Doobie Wretches. Uh, the healthiest and uh, best prices on those uh, Doobies. Check out, Gecko, uh, I'm sorry, AVDragons.com. Use the code GECKO. At checkout for 5% off. Gecko boa reptiles. Uh, if you're interested in really fine reptiles, fine geckos, check out gecko boa reptiles. And uh, John has some amazing wild types and some really interesting white yellows, tremper projects, and bells, of course, and some really nice rainwaters. So check out geckoboa.com. Uh, Supreme Gecko, Wally Kern, specializes in cresties, day geckos, little small micro geckos and all kinds of supplies for them as well. So check out SupremeGecko.com. OhioGecko.com is run by Thad. He's also the owner of GeckoForums.net. Uh, Thad's 
got some amazing tangerine projects, knows uh, his own morph of fat tails called Starburst. You can check him out at ohiogecko.com. Uh, let's see. Rainbow mealworms. Rainbow mealworms is the best source for your mealworms and your superworms and other insects. Uh, check out rainbowmealworms.net for all your feeders, uh, insect-eating reptiles needs. All right. Reptiles Express. If you are shipping reptiles anywhere in the U.S. and want to use the best company with the best rates to make your labels for FedEx, definitely use Reptiles Express. And if you're new to shipping, make sure you speak with Debbie at Reptiles Express, and she will teach you exactly how to do it and make it a pain-free experience. It's very easy, folks. Don't be afraid of it. Uh, let's see. Ron Tremper. Of course, Ron, nobody's been more influential in the world of leopard geckos than Ron. Ron has uh, given us the bandit, the Tremper albino, raptors, and so many others. Uh, check out Ron Tremper at leopardgecko.com. And uh, you can also check out his amazing app called Leopard Gecko Pro and his care app called Leopard Gecko Care. He's got a few other ones, too, that you guys can check out. Ron Tremper is awesome. He's the gecko godfather, leopardgecko.com. Uh, one of our new sponsors, Keith Giggins from GiantLeopardGecko.com, is uh, he was on the show last week. If you guys want to check it out, uh, he's also got some amazing uh, gecko morphs in the works and big stuff. He likes his giants, and he's got a really great husbandry technique techniques uh, that he incorporates into his projects. Uh, so check out GiantLeopardGecko.com. He's even got some crafties and uh, some fat tails too. And uh, let's see. Oh, for your for your feeder insects, because uh, we were talking a little bit about gut load tonight. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you guys can gut load your feeder insects. If you'd like to uh, purchase some really good chow for them, check out MS2 Premium Chow for your feeder insects. And uh, last but not least, Daryl Burton and Cade Burton from Longhorn Geckos are uh, our newest sponsor. And uh, Daryl has invested in some really top-quality genetics and uh, such as super tangelos, pastel raptors, really nice white and yellow stuff. So uh, check out Longhorn Geckos on Facebook, and his website is coming soon. And uh, that's it for the sponsors. Okay, I'm thinking about opening up another uh, sponsorship uh, spot for someone. If you're out there and you have a business that uh, you'd like to advertise here with us at Gecko Nation Radio, you can contact me at geckonationradio at gmail. All right, folks. I hope everybody has a great night, and here's a song to take us out. Until next time.